Welcome to the Compete Every Day podcast, a weekly show to help you harness the power of competition to be better than yesterday. Hear each week from performance leaders, coaches, and experts on the benefits of competition and how you can use it to win at work and in life. And now, your host, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, Jake Thompson. That's right. We're back. It's a brand new podcast episode. Man, I'm glad you're here this week. Can't believe the year is flying by. Man, we are pushing hard into Q4 at this point. How are you holding up? How are you hitting your goals? Most importantly, how are you working your daily process? A lot of people get frustrated and demotivated from pursuing their goals because the distance they have to travel is so incredibly far. They look at that finish line, it's so far away, it's like running a marathon for the first time. You're standing at the finish line and you're thinking about, you got to run 26 miles and that's a long, long way. For a lot of people, they lose focus, they they become demotivated, they quit right then and there. But see, marathoners don't. Marathoners think about what's my next step. They think about that first step, that first mile. They start running. They're not overwhelmed by how far they have to go because they're focused on the daily process, the process of getting there one step at a time. That's just one of the great things I dive into this week with our guest, Dr. Stuart Singer. I'm really excited about this show as Sue is a sports psychologist that works with the WNBA's Washington Mystics, the University of Maryland women's basketball team, Fordham University women's basketball team, Rice. He's got a number of clients all around helping them perform better. His company, Well Performance, is built on sports psychology and peak performance mindset training. And Stu shares a ton of that wisdom today. We even get to use a handful of guest questions. That's right. If you have the opportunity and want to ask a question to one of our upcoming guests, you got to follow us on Instagram. Compete every day as well as mine. Life is worth competing for. I'll pop on stories usually on Sundays and Mondays, tell you about the guests that we have coming up that week for recording, and ask what questions do you have. Courtney had a couple of questions for us this week, and so Dr. Singer shares with us insight into answering those questions, and I think the conversation is full of things that are going to hit you right at home. They're going to hit you where you are, and they're going to make you realize that pursuit of those goals is about that process. And that luck, luck is simply preparation meets opportunity. And we dive into that with Stu's career because he talks about how he got lucky on certain interactions, certain things in life, when in all reality, the opportunities presented himself and because he was prepared, he was able to grab them. What are you doing to prepare for those opportunities that are coming in your future? Are you putting in the work today? Man, I hope so. I hope so. Now, as always, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can always ping us on social media, but shoot us an email right to the inbox, podcast at competeeveryday.com. I read everything that comes in. My team reads everything coming in. If you've got feedback on the show, if you have questions you want to ask, if there is a topic you want us to cover on our Friday Speedwork sessions, let us know. Our job here is to serve you, to provide you more information and resources so that you can be the best competitor in life you were created to be. It's not about beating everyone else. It's about doing your best 
to be your best. Now, without further ado, I'm excited to welcome to the show today, Dr. Stu Singer. Dr. Stu, how are you? Welcome to the show today. I am great. Thank you for having me. Man, I, we've got connected. We were just talking off air. Mutual friend, Alan Stein, uh, who I've gotten to know as a speaker. You guys know each other in the basketball space as well as the performance space. Give everyone just a little bit of a background on who you are, uh, as well as how you've gotten to the point that you're at now with obviously multiple universities and the WNBA's Washington Mystics. Wow. I always struggle with this because the journey has been like overnight on one hand and then forever on the other hand. And, <laughs> I, you know, um, and, and I feel like um, the easiest way to say it is that I've been connected to sport literally since the day I was born. My, my parents and uh, or my my dad and, and and my uncle and then and then their subsequent wives got into a family business, um, which was sporting goods. Uh, selling, you know, everything in sports, including uniforming to literally probably every, every, uh, youth organization, high school team, you name it in, in our area growing up. And so from the day I was born, sports was very influential in my life. And then, um, I started to play. So, so my, my introduction, I, I think to performance was, was my own performance and, and my own experience as an athlete. Um, and then, uh, and, and kind of, you know, progressing pretty well through, through the youth ranks and, 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 you know, and looking like some promising opportunities. Um, and then, and then started to have some pretty significant back issues by the time I was in 10th grade, uh, disc related issues that started to really impact me and, you know, young and stupid and, and pretty much played through it, uh, tried to get some, you know, and did some rehab related stuff. Um, but really by the time my senior year rolled around, I was in pretty big pain and probably had bigger injury than I wanted to believe. Um, and, and so instead of continuing after high school, really kind of my body had in, in a way broken down, my, my back had broken down by my senior year and, um, stayed with it in terms of ended up playing, um, I was a basketball player and a soccer player, um, but ended up um, migrating my way to being a club volleyball player in college. Um, but but just stayed with it, loved it. But but the pain was there, and and really um, made me realize how important the the mental um, part of performance was. And as a high school athlete, our high school coach. Um, you know, did two things that really influenced me. One is he introduced us to doing clinics on Saturday mornings during the season for the younger athletes in our, in the school district. And, and I realized how much I loved coaching. Um, it was natural for me and something I really liked to do. And then the other thing that he did was he introduced us just through a, he made copies out of a magazine and, and gave us copies of um, an article that ended up being sports psychology, which at the time I really didn't know what that was, um, but it was on imagery. Um, and I found it to be really cool and was very interested in it. So between those two things, I think it sparked something in me. Um, that unfortunately at that time, my mind said, maybe I couldn't do <laughs> because I, I read that, 
you know, the guy that wrote the article had a PhD behind his name. And at that point in my life, I thought that's not me. Um, you know, I loved my sports and I, I loved my social world and, and academics was probably a distant third for me. Um, so getting a doctorate just seemed completely out of the picture. And so it was planted, the seed was planted, but I was not necessarily thinking that it could really happen. Um, but then post undergrad, um, still hadn't pursued it, but the, the feeling was still there. And I decided, you know what, um, I really want to coach. And I'd got the bug because I had started coaching, um, at a, at a, one of my roommates in college was an education uh, major and, and had, um, started coaching at a local area, uh, school district and a position came open. He said, you should really do this. And so, um, I started coaching a little bit on the side and, and loved it. And so it made me say, you know what, this is the what path I want to pursue. So I started coaching, um, figured I would just be a high school coach and, um, and a teacher. Um, my only problem was I really had no subject that I wanted to teach. Um, so the subject was really the subject of life. And so I decided I was going to get my master's degree in counseling and be a, a school counselor and a coach. And that's really was the springboard. And I followed that, um, loved coaching, but really found myself continuing to use the, my counseling skills uh, more and more through my coaching and realized how powerful the psychology was. And it just became like a passion. And then eventually my wife basically got tired of me talking about it and said, listen, either you do this or stop bothering me with, with the conversation. And, and she said, I'm willing to, you know, to, to do whatever it takes to help you get through a doctoral program. Um, but let's, let's either do it or, or quit complaining about it. And, and so that's what happened. Um, so, I mean, so much credit goes to her for believing that I could do this. Um, and, and then being willing to just do whatever it took, which was tough. Cause by the time we did it, we already had three young kids and, you know, so it was, it was a lot. And so that's kind of what got us to this point. Um, but I would certainly be lying to you to say that I had this vision. Um, I think I was going to be happy just working with some local area, high school teams and athletes. Um, and that would have been great. And, you know, but it just continued to to flourish. And, and I got lucky with with working for some great coaches. And, and that really helped out a tremendous amount. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. There's a lot there. And, and I love the fact that you you openly admit this is not what you would have expected years ago. Uh, but obviously, you're you continue to do the work to do the passion and those opportunities presented themselves to you. I'm curious. At what point? Well, first, let me ask this: How old were you when you finished your your doctorate? So I am forty nine now. Just turned this month, and I was forty when I when I uh, finished. I love it. I love it. it never, uh, it's never too late in life to get those pursuits, and it's always great to have someone in our corner that's willing to push us out. Uh, when we're not re quite ready to make that step. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit on the transition side, because you are, are well known for your work, not only with the mystics, but the university of Maryland, Fordham, 
you've got a ton of other teams in, in basketball as well as other sports, but I, I'm interested how you found yourself heavily involved in women's basketball and what that first step was that ultimately maybe got you in with the mystics working with the professional athlete side, because that's not something you see very often. We're seeing, you know, more and more people in the peak performance, mental performance space, stepping out more, but teams have known them obviously behind the scenes for a while. It's just not been in that public eye. I'm curious Mm -hmm. about your step and process getting to that point. Yeah. I, I get calls all the time, uh, from, you know, aspiring sports psychs just to, you know, they're looking at their master's program, looking at a doctoral program and just want to pick my brain. And, and I, I believe heavily in, in, taking those calls and taking the time. I think it's a big part of the process is giving back and being somebody I had some phenomenal mentors, you know, for me going through this process. And I just believe in, in giving back. And what, but one of the questions is always asked, what was your path? And, and I'm like, my path was so fortunate and lucky (laughs) that I don't know if there's a blueprint that I can give you, but so here, here's why I say that my niece uh, played uh, Division One basketball at, at uh, Monmouth University in New Jersey, and one of her teammates and also recruiting class uh, teammates uh, was the daughter, is the daughter of what was then the head coach of the Connecticut Sun in the WNBA, and. So my brother, uh, over the years of those two playing together, became pretty good friends with, and it's Coach Mike Tebow, who is also now the head coach with the Mystics, but at the time he was with Connecticut. And um, my brother had asked, um, my brother's a a performance skills coach, and and he was putting together a coach's clinic, and he asked uh, Mike to be the, you know, one of the keynote speakers at the clinic. Um, and, and my brother asked me to be one of the speakers at the clinic. And, um, and, and so that's how it started, you know, that's, that's what we did. And, and Mike happened to, to sit around and be, be a nice guy and be willing to listen to me babble. And, um, turned out that I must've said something that sounded okay to him because he said, Hey, I wouldn't mind you coming and, and talking to our, our team. And so I was super fortunate um, to have that network that just kind of allowed me to to get into to working with them. Um, And and then from there, um, you know, that opened up a lot of connections and and networking um, from that point forward. Uh, You know, the the professional sports world and 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 the division one, you know, um, high level division one sports world is, is a pretty, you know, um, it's not an easy group to break in with, uh, and you don't just turn in a resume and, and, you know, apply for a position. You really probably need to know someone. And, you know, for me, I call it getting behind the curtain. Once you get behind the curtain and, and get vouched for basically by, by someone, you know, a head coach that others truly respect, um, you know, it really helps open up other doors for you. And, and that's really how I got into the space. There was no real goal that this was going to be where, where I ended up, um, you know, and it's opened up that, that space for me, but, but quite frankly, I love getting into other 
teams, uh, organizations, um, male, female. Um, it's it for me. It's really truly about human performance. How do we help uh, people reach whatever it is that's the best version of them um, in the healthiest, most effective way possible? And I could almost care less what the sport is um, as long as that's the end goal. I, I love that. And I want to, I want to hit on a couple of things that you said in that for everyone listening, just to recap about how certain opportunities presented themselves for you. You had the opportunity to, to speak at this event and then to have those conversations and ask questions. And so your path is not one that most people can look at and say, okay, I'm going to do it just like that. I'm going to get there the same way. But the key takeaway is that you were incredibly hungry to learn yes. and get better, which yeah. is huge. You were asking questions, seeking out people to learn from, which is valuable in every field, every career pursuit. And then I'm I'm a big fan of of the phrase that I've heard recently is luck is essentially preparation meets opportunity. Correct. And so your knowledge and your skill set and the things you'd been building and training you've been preparing yourself. So when the opportunity to speak came, when the opportunity to learn, you were able to ask the right questions to develop it, to build the relationships that you were able to seize that opportunity. So that luck interaction was essentially the preparation you, you had made and built for that. And that's obviously very applicable to anyone listening in that pursuit of betterment and being a peak performer, a peak competitor is that you've got to be able to prepare for when that opportunity arrives uh, so that you can grab hold of it. And it's going to look like luck to everyone else. But for you, if you're able to look back, you can connect all the dots that I did this, which connected me to this, to this, to this. But it all started with the work I put in. So that I, I love hearing that because it just reinforces the the need for us to constantly be hungry, to keep getting better, keep learning, as well as being prepared for when life's opportunities present themselves. Yeah, that's 100%. Um, it's, it's funny because part of then the feedback that I give is that, you know, I am absolutely 100% passionate about what I do. I work, I wake up literally every day saying, I love what I do. And I am so willing every single day to get better at what I do. I, in fact, I, I really love getting better and learning more and talking to people that, um, are, are, you know, leaders in, in my field or reading the newest research and, and diving into, um, my profession, because, you know, it's funny because I can tell you that I, if you would have asked me in, 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 in a, five years ago and said, Hey, you know, are, are you pretty good at what you do? And, and in, in the humblest way I can say this, I would have told you, yeah, I, I do think I'm pretty good at, at what I do. And here I am five years later and I realize I'm so much better now than I was then. And, and in a, in also a humble way, I know I'm going to be so much better five years from now than I am today, because I completely accept the concept of, being a lifelong learner and connecting with great people. And, um, so the path, while I can say I didn't plan it, you know, and have this grand vision, you are 100% accurate in saying that, um, by, by working extremely hard, being willing to learn, 
being willing to go in the direction that opportunities take me and not backing away from them in a, you know, well, that's too much, or I'm scared of that kind of way. Um, you know, I, it, as much as I, I could say, you can't necessarily use the, the actual blueprint of what I did. You certainly, you know, and I hope that the individuals that ask and, and maybe that are listening right now say, but those other pieces I can follow. And, and whatever your passion is, it certainly doesn't have to be this, but whatever your passion is, that's the way to go after it. So, so there's there's a topic along those lines that you mentioned that I want to get some of your thoughts with. And the, it's the fact of you're constantly learning, getting better. You understand five years from now, you're going to be better than you are today. And, and today you're better than you were five years ago. For a lot of people, I feel like in today's society, especially with this growth of social media, of comparison mm-hmm. and falling into the comparison trap of seeing someone else on social media that looks like they're excelling. And for us, a lot of times we take the approach that we don't want to start something new. We don't want to be seen as a rookie or a newbie that that doesn't know it, that doesn't have it all together, that isn't polished completely from day one. We don't like being seen like we're starting at the bottom. And so a lot of people take the approach that they just don't start something new. They don't ever pursue that path. They don't ever go that route because they don't want others to think about them that they they aren't all the way there because they're used to seeing so much polish fake or otherwise on social media, (laughs) working with pro and college athletes. I'm curious your approach to the freshmen and the rookies, because for a lot of those individuals going from high school to college, you're the best on the court. You're the best in your Mm -hmm. conference. Like you're ready to roll and dominate and you step day one on a college campus and you're not hot shot always. Uh, and it's the same going into the pros, you know, you're not always the number one draft pick and even the number one draft pick has a ton to learn from veterans and pros. How do you work with those individuals with that transition to get over the fact that they're essentially starting over, but that's an okay part of the process? Wow. You're just hitting on so many really good topics and really, um, like these are universal, I think across sport cross gender and and quite frankly across any performance environment whether that be the work world or obviously uh the sports world and and i try to simplify um every freshman that i work with i remind them this is going to be hard you, you know like you're you want to achieve great things and you want to achieve them immediately but at some point this is going to be really difficult. And it's supposed to be difficult. This isn't supposed to be easy. And, and it it's not. And so, but often I think along the lines of what you're saying, the goal is in their mind is that I need to step on this court and prove myself. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's true on the court It's field track pool, you name it, freshmen that that like you said, that have been successful leading up to that point, they feel this need. I need to prove myself. And, and what I try to remind, and some hear it really, really well, right off the bat, others <laughs> probably need to be burned, you know, at some point and then real, realize like, man, it really is hard. But, but the message is there's two things that you need to do. The first is be willing to work. The second one is be willing to learn. You will gain respect of your coaches and your teammates as a freshman by being willing to work 
and by willing to be, be by being willing to learn. And they don't need you to be perfect. In fact, they don't expect you to be perfect. They know what the transition is. All the coaches have seen it a million times and any of the veteran players know what they went through. So being perfect, super competent, you know, as good as and understanding as much, they don't expect that. What they do want to see is your willingness to work and your willingness to learn. If you do that, you will gain the respect of the people that that you're competing with um, and everything else will flow from there. So simplify it. Don't make it more complicated than it is. That's all you have to focus on when you're beginning. And, and guess what? That transitions right to the rookies uh, at the professional level. Same exact thing. I love that. I absolutely love that because it, it is key. Like the ones that are looking back that look so successful, like they know what you're going through. They know what you've been through because they were there too. And so the, I love the fact that you push them. It's willing to work and willing to learn because that's something everyone can take and apply. Uh, so one of the questions I wanted to ask you that, that came from one of our listeners, uh, Courtney Qualls was asking, how do you keep your inner fire to keep pushing when it seems like it's you've been pursuing a goal for much longer than you've anticipated? Would, in my mm-hmm. thoughts and on reality, almost every goal we set, the big ones, they take longer than we think they're going to because we trick ourselves into that immediate success thought. How, how do you motivate your players during the course of a long season or, or perhaps one of those freshmen and sophomores that aren't quite getting the playing time that they'd expected coming in to keep putting in the work, keep getting better so that they're positioned for their junior, senior year when they will have those opportunities. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a hard one and you touched on one of the big reasons, which is that we are a much more instant gratification world at this moment. We just have more resources and opportunities and, and just, and then also just messaging seems like there's that it may be more. So that's definitely an uphill battle, but there's a couple pieces that I, that I focus on. One is, is the, um, being intentional. So we have to have the intention of what we are focusing our, our attention to. So Unfortunately, when we start to get in the trap of the end result, it's because we're focused on the outcome. This is what I want. And I, and I have this picture and I, and I have potentially, if it's a young athlete, I have number of minutes I want to be playing or points that I want to be scoring and, you know, and, um, you know, conference awards or, you know, championships, all the different outcomes that we want. And, and if we focus on those, then it does become long because those things may or may not come certainly may or may not come on your timeline that you want them to come. And, and so that becomes painful and, and you're like putting in some work and you're, and you're not getting that thing, those, those outcomes that you want. And so the intention that I'm speaking of is understanding where do you want to put your focus? So we, we want to, kind of move our focus from the outcome to the process. So first and foremost is being locked in every day to the process. What are the habits and behaviors that you know put you in position 
to be successful. Not that guarantees success because success is, is sometimes out of our control. Other people have to make some decisions um, that, that we don't control or being in the right place at the right time or all sorts of different other pieces, all these variables that go into that final outcome. Well, and on the flip side of that, I would say, and I bet you agree, that the final score doesn't always dictate how good you were. Like Absolutely. Winning can trick us into believing we're better than we think we, than we actually are. <laughs> Absolutely. There are so many times that, uh, that a um, record can suggest that we're good, and because the record is good, it, it in essence, masks the deficiencies that we – um, especially a lot of times as a coaching staff know are there, like we, we know that there's some things that we need to get better at. And if we don't, we're going to be in trouble down, you know, down the line. But, but because the record says something good, you, you can get complacent a little bit, um, as an athlete and, and then vice versa. Sometimes the record may say we're not doing well. And you look at, you know, what we're doing and the process is great. Um, the culture is great. Um, attitudes are great. Effort is great. And, and, you know, and sometimes the outcomes still don't come your way. And so we're trying to get as locked into, um, our process as, as possible. Um, it's a, it's a massive, massive thing and being okay. Um, when I talk to athletes on a weekly basis, I'll say, well, how was the week? And oh, really, really good. And I'll say, why tell me what good means. And if they tell me outcomes, um, then we, we have to back up because outcomes don't always tell the story. And so I'd rather them be able to evaluate, self-evaluate based on um, actions and behaviors. Um, and if the actions and behaviors were really good for the week, then then I go, OK, I got it. That is a good week. If the actions and behaviors were average, but the results ended up being pretty good you know, then we're going to work on getting those habits and behaviors up to, to a higher level than, than average or, or whatever they were. Awesome. I love that. The process process is huge. Uh, it is huge and, and, and can be thrown away, thrown around, I should say as a little bit of a catchphrase. Yeah. And, and that's why I mean this really deep intention. I mean, the, the teams and the athletes that, that I work with, we are super intentional to believing in it and committing to it and paying attention to it daily because it's so easy to get off um, focus of that and get locked into the outcome. What are my minutes? What are my stats? And, and we really, really have to be intentional about it. Yeah, no, that's incredibly uh beneficial for everyone listening to hear that and, and take that in, especially as you talk about getting as you, how you approach your players and talking about the outcomes and how you help them refocus that because we, we do tend to get caught up and lost in that. There's a, a book by Jeff Hayden called the motivation myth that goes into great detail about uh, the process and building those processes in the pursuit of goals, which I've, I've recommended to a number of people. And so for anyone listening, listen to this episode multiple times, but dive into that book if you're looking for uh, additional content. All right. Uh, so Stu, what is coming up in this year? What has you excited about uh, 2018 and then beyond into 2019? What are you working on right now that's got you just jacked on life? 
Yeah. Um, uh, so a couple things, uh, you know, the <laughs> always, always, always the teams and the athletes that I'm working with, I just, I, I can't begin to, to say it enough of just how much of an investment I, I, I just love watching the groups that I'm a part of find their best. So I'm always fired up for that. And, and I'm so fortunate to work with some absolutely amazing coaches that also value that and then, and then create and work towards a culture that, that values that. So every team that I work with, um, that, that always fires me up. And then from a, just a pure, project standpoint, I probably have three things that really um, stand out for me. The first is um, about a year ago, I created an app um, that's in, in the app store um, for iPhones or iPad. Um, and it's a, it's a 10 to 12 minute a day, um, what I call daily mindset workouts um, that I really created because I wanted something for the the athletes that I work with to have something in between our weekly sessions, like something that just grounds them and focuses them on a daily basis. So that project I love and it's continuing and just continuing to get it out there and, and allow for, you know, either the, the ones I work with individually or you don't have to work with me individually and it still has a, a positive impact. Then in the last few months, I launched an online um, sports psych program. And it's really designed for teams to be as close to having a sports performance psychologist um, that you can have on staff without actually being able to do that. So what I realized was I am fortunate and lucky to be working with these teams at, with, you know, at the division one and, and professional level that have a budget to bring somebody like myself in. But what I know is there's a lot of high school coaches, club coaches, AAU coaches out there that really get this division three college programs that really get this, really love it, want to do better, want to do more, but they don't have the same resources. And so I wanted to create something that I felt was really powerful, really effective matches the things that I believe in, in terms of performance psychology, but can I bring it to groups and teams um, at a, at a price point that they can, you know, can, can swing. And, and so that was launched, I want to say two months ago or so. And, and it's been going absolutely great and the feedback has been phenomenal. And that's a, a really super exciting project for me and getting to work with, um, you know, high school teams and, and, and division three, maybe even some division two teams that just don't have the same resources and, but giving them really quality stuff. So that's a a major thing. And and it's one of the great parts of it is that I get to train trainers for my program. So it's not always going to be me. It can be other trainers that will be doing it. And, and two of them uh, are former players of mine that went through the work and have done the work and have performed at a very high level. And now they want to be a part of this. So for me, that's really exciting because they will be two of the coaches coaching the program. And then, and then the third one is, is that um, I am uh, really pushing towards 
this concept that coaches ultimately are the ones that set the performance environment, right? So I can come in, I can talk to teams, I can work with individuals, but at the end of the day, coaches are the ones that create um, a psychologically effective performance environment or potentially, unfortunately not. And, and so the big push this upcoming year is going to be to be working at more coaches clinics and, and with more coaching staffs um, across sport um, at, in the development of their performance environment. And how do they create an environment that they weave it into every single day that's psychologically sound? They don't have to do anything extra. They just need to know these psychologically sound principles. And if they know those, then they can just weave them into everything that they do. They don't have to make it a separate session. They don't have to have it be a separate training that they're doing. They're just doing these things on a daily basis. And because they're doing it, their players are essentially swimming in it. And it just becomes something that they own because they're in it every day. And so that's the biggest push coming up here in 2018 going into 2019. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right. Quick thing. What your app, uh, how do we find your app in the app store? Yes, it's uh, do so D O S O one word. Um, it's a playoff of a Latin phrase, non do so do so, which means I am not led. I lead. And it's, uh, it's really about that voice in your head. The one that is reactive and some, Sometimes tells us emotionally that we can't do something. Um, and then we can take a step back. We can pause. We can take a breath and say, wait a second. I still get to, to lead. Don't, I, I'm not going to let these reactive emotional thoughts lead me. I'm going to be the one that decides where I'm going to head. And so that concept of do so is, uh, is where I got the name from. Love it. All right. Last question. How can people find you and your work online? Where can they get connected on your website and in social media? Yeah, um, my my website is wellperformancecoach.com. Um, and then my my Twitter is is wellperformance, uh, Instagram wellperformance, Facebook wellperformance, sports psychology services. Um, and I love to answer questions and and get reach out from folks. And whether I just end up directing them uh, to another resource is fine. Or if they're interested in in doing deeper work um, and and trying to improve either themselves or the teams that they coach or the or if they're a business leader and 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 helping the, the their business leader or the the people that they're leading perform at a better level um you know we do we do all of that so i'm i'm always happy to get the reach out love it i love it Stu. thank you so much for being on the show this week jake it was great being with you thank you for having me for listening to another episode of the compete every day podcast to learn more visit competeeveryday.com to connect with jake or contact the show email us at podcast at competeeveryday.com and as always keep competing every day to be better than you were yesterday